Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the second chapter. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child and destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they were no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Our Christmas season started two weeks ago as the sun went down on Christmas Eve and the church was lit brightly. We gathered to hear the stories of Jesus' birth and to sing the songs. And today is the last day of Christmas. It was actually yesterday, but that's okay. We moved it to a Sunday. To have that full 12 days of Christmas, today's epiphany, when we celebrate the coming of the three kings. So our Advent wreath that, you know, you light one for the first Sunday of Advent and then the second and then the third and then the fourth and then that Christmas candle, we've now been burning all five for two weeks. Um, Unless your candles are like mine and the first one's like very short now, so you're only lighting four as they go. Um, In Spain and many Latin American countries, the tradition of gift giving is on the last day of Christmas, not the first. And I once, I had a friend who was from Mexico, and he said when they came uh, to the U.S., his mother said to him, now, Santiago, we're in America now, so we give gifts on Christmas Day. But we are also Mexican, so I also expect gifts on Epiphany. (laughs) At Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus was born, that Jesus existed, that God came to save us. We celebrate that God walked among us. And we, we have names for Jesus. Of course, Jesus was his given name, but we have titles like Christ and Messiah and King of Kings and God with us and Bread of Life and Prince of Peace and Savior. These titles name who Jesus is for us, that Jesus feeds us, that Jesus abides with us, that Jesus guides us, that Jesus gives us peace, and that Jesus saves us. 
And a very valid question is, why do we need saving? Why do we need saving? Well, we don't have to look hard at our lives and our world to see that wisdom is often not the default, truth does not always prevail, and peace is not universal. As I tell my kids, human beings, we tend to do what we want to do. If we want to be honest, we're honest. If we want every person to be fed in this world, we'd make it happen. But we seem to prefer that some are overfed and some grow, go hungry. If we wanted peace in this world, we would make it happen. But we seem to prefer dominance. If we wanted every person to be valued, we would make it happen. But we seem to prefer that some are privileged and others are oppressed. And so we need saving. Gandhi named it well, the seven dangers to human virtue. Wealth without work, pleasure without conscience, knowledge without character, commerce without morality, science without humanity, religion without sacrifice, and politics without principle. That's, that seems to be how our approach to the world and probably every one of us, as we read this list, every one of us is familiar with these. We've seen it in others. If we're honest, we've seen it in ourselves. The aversion to work is an easy one, that wealth without work. Because we all have kind of this compulsion against work, even if it's something as simple as going out to eat instead of cooking dinner yourself or hiring a house cleaner, or hiring your windows done, or buying bagged salad because you don't want to cut it up. We're, we're familiar with how this goes. The work still got done. We just didn't do it. Now, the good news of Jesus is that all of these things we want, Jesus offers us. Jesus offers us wealth and pleasure and knowledge and commerce and business and religion and science and politics and peace and enough to eat and being valued and safety and comfort. Jesus offers all of this, but this is the difference. Jesus offers all of those things to everyone, not just for some which is how we sent, put it up. So with Jesus, it's not some are overfed and some grow hungry. Everyone is fed. With Jesus, it's not some are privileged and some are oppressed. Everyone is valued. With Jesus, it's not some are wealthy and some are poor. Everyone has enough. And because Jesus' way is different than ours, it puts us in conflict with God. It always has. From the very beginning, the presence of God is in conflict with the world. God's way, in many real ways, is in direct opposition to our ways. We want the same things, but the way we go about it is different. And so the powers of the world push back on God. We saw of course, we know that it happened at the end of Jesus' life. In only 12 weeks, 
We will be walking that path of Holy Week when Jesus was arrested and tried and convicted and crucified and died when we tried to kill God because we're just sure that God's way will not work. And then Jesus rose from the dead because our darkness is never enough to overpower Jesus. God's way of goodness for everyone is in opposition to our belief that there is not enough. With God, there is always enough. Today, our gospel that we heard proclaimed, we heard from Matthew, um, and we see that conflict already at Jesus' beginning. And there's many parallels between the beginning of Jesus' life and the end of Jesus' life. Only two gospels have accounts of the infancy of Jesus. Um, There's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and only Matthew and Luke have infancy accounts, stories of of Jesus' uh, birth. And both of them include a lot of symbolism so so that we see things happening at a much deeper level. In Matthew, we see over and over Jesus presented as the new Israel. So, the Israel, the community of the Hebrews, Pharaoh ordered the killing of the Hebrew babies, and Moses escaped. Today, Herod ordered the killing of the Hebrew babies, and Jesus escaped. God called Israel, the the people, the Hebrew people, out of Egypt, out of Africa, to the promised land. And after fleeing to Egypt, God calls the holy family out of Egypt back to the promised land. But when Israel came to the promised land, the people sinned. They worshipped idols. They weren't faithful to God. And Jesus, the new Israel, will be faithful, will always be faithful, and will not sin. The story we heard today is called The Massacre of the Holy Innocents. Holy Innocents, these sacred, holy, innocent babies killed. It's a, it's a glaring demonstration of the conflict between God's way and the sin of humanity. And we want to skip it because it's so horrible. It's so dark. And it is horrible. And it is dark. We want to hide from the darkness, even the darkness that we create in our own lives. We, we don't want privilege with oppression, but we want the privilege, so we hide the oppression. And we, we push our production offshore so that we don't see the living conditions of the people producing the stuff that we buy. We segregate our cities still so that we don't see the poverty of folks. And part of that growth in holiness is seeing. That is one of the beautiful blessings of having the Cunic Food Bank in our church is we get to see people who Jesus loves. Herod ordered the massacre of those babies to protect 
his privilege, his power, because he believed there was not enough. And people haven't stopped that. I mean, we've still done that. Just so we remember, it wasn't just in Herod's time that, that babies were killed in conquest. In the conquest of the American West, there are multiple accounts of American soldiers killing native babies. So we hide from it. We don't want to see it. We hide the darkness. And then God brings light. God brings light into our suffering. God brings forgiveness. God brings salvation. And where we hide, God rushes. God rushes into our darkness with light and with forgiveness and with salvation. Some of our suffering comes from the hands of others. We're the ones who work for the wealth of others, or we're the ones who are oppressed for the privilege of others, or we're the ones who hunger so that others can be overfed. Some of our suffering is just from being mortal, from suffering, aging, and pain, and death of loved ones. Or sometimes it's just living in a physical world and our computer won't work. There are many different ways that suffering happens. But some of our suffering is self-inflicted. Some of our suffering comes from the darkness that we bring into our lives. Things like, you know, we overeat and we don't exercise and then we feel it in our bodies Some of it is our own callousness and hard-heartedness and the lack of compassion. Some of it is addiction and not doing the hard work of recovery. Sometimes it is the sins of stealing or dishonesty or adultery. Sometimes our suffering is self-inflicted. And God is there with comfort and with courage. Our way is goodness for only a few. God's way is goodness for everyone. In this story, did you catch how obedient Joseph was? Sometimes, I mean, I think that especially, you know, when I was a kid, obedience was like not a good thing. But Joseph was very obedient. The angel said, get up and go to Egypt. And man, they got up and they went to Egypt. And then, and then Joseph was told, the angel said, go back to the land of Israel. And they got up and went back to Israel. And then, the, and then Jesus was warned, or Joseph was warned, but don't go to Judea, go to Galilee. So Joseph went to Galilee. Joseph was very obedient. In our story, he's like the opposite of Herod. Joseph is obedient to God. Herod is opposed to God. And for many people, when we see one person obedient to God and one person opposed to God, we start looking for God's reward and God's punishment. And I think when we hear about Joseph, we can feel Joseph's contentment, his connectedness to God, his sense of being watched over and being kept safe. And that is a gift of God. And when we hear about Herod, man, you can feel Herod's panic and his hysteria coming out in this violence. Herod was um, appointed by the Roman emperor 
He was given, he was a general of Mark Antony. He was given the title king and he knew full well he had to keep Rome happy to keep his power. So he was pretty oppressive of his people. Um, it's recorded that he had 2,000 bodyguards, so he was pretty nervous. Um, he executed his favorite wife. He executed at least three of his sons. He executed other members of his family. He executed anyone that opposed to him. He executed the babies of Bethlehem. These are not the actions of a person who is peace-filled and happy. These are the actions of someone tortured by paranoia. God didn't have to punish Herod. Herod did it all on his own. We punish ourselves when we live in opposition to God. I recently saw Oppenheimer for the first time, and so now I know why people were talking about it so much. And it was an amazing treatment, examination of morality and moral injury when we do things that are opposed to God in the way it injures us, whether we want it to or not. In Herod's massacre of the holy innocents, that was dark. When we create our own suffering by our own sinfulness, that is darkness. And we believe the lie sometimes that the darkness will overcome the light. That the darkness is too big for God and it is not true. The light always overcomes the darkness. The light is always bigger than the darkness. Little light big darkness, the light wins every time. And that's how it is with God. God entered Joseph's life. God entered Herod's life. God enters our lives and comes right into our darkness, right into our suffering. The suffering that we have at the hands of others, the suffering from just being alive, physical beings, and the suffering that we self-inflict Jesus comes right into that darkness with light. Jesus comes to our sin to save us. Jesus comes into your darkness. Into your darkness when you have suffered from oppression or being put down or being ignored. Jesus comes into your darkness when you have suffered heartache and the pain of being a physical being. Jesus comes into your darkness when you have self-inflicted pain through sin, which we all do. Jesus comes into that darkness and saves us. God, God loved those little babies that were massacred. And God loves the soldiers who did it. And God loves Herod who ordered it. And God loves us. Every one of us, there is no sin too big that God, that wipes out God's love for us. So even when our relationships are poor and we prioritize entertainment over connectedness, 
Even when we avoid honesty, avoid real presence with people around us, when we avoid vulnerability, even when we eat too much and exercise too little, even when we drink too much or smoke too much, even when we spend our evenings getting that hit from the doom scrolling or pornography, even when we drink the Kool-Aid of the fear-mongering that tells us that if XYZ happens, the end is near. Even in all of that, Jesus comes to us bringing light, bringing salvation. Our way is believing that there is not enough, that things are going to go terribly, that, that disaster is around the corner. But God's way is that there is enough for everyone, that God always conquers evil, that God always conquers darkness, and that salvation is waiting for us. God wants the same things that we want. God's way is for everyone where we all get it. And Jesus brings us salvation where Christ makes possible what once seemed impossible. Would you pray with me? Lord God, sometimes we believe that there is not enough we believe that we are not enough. We believe that disaster is around the corner. Lord, fix our eyes upon you. You who, who makes every one of us enough. Who gives enough to care for us. Who wants the very best for us and everyone else. Lord, fix our eyes upon you. Help us notice that your light conquers any darkness. We pray this all in your holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crossway. CUNY United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.